In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back on the history series and we're going from 2000 to 2009. And I'm here with Jason Burns. Jason, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I appreciate it. Uh, love the show. A long-time listener. Excellent. Well, we've only been going for bloody seven months. How are you a long-time listener? Well, I, I guess on, uh, on, on that front, uh, not too long, but uh, a loyal listener at that. No, thanks a lot, man. I'm only joking. I think we've done over 200 shows now. So uh, if, if you're listening to 200 shows, you're definitely a, a heavyweight listener. So thank you very much. And uh, Jason, before we start, can you just tell everyone where we can find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cardiac underscore kid 19. 19 after the great Bernie Kosar. Excellent. And a good number. I know Bernie's a listener to the show, so I think he'll like that. He'll probably send you a tweet saying, uh, well done as well. But Jason, first of all, headlines, 2000, 2009, one word to describe it for the Browns. I would say dreadful is the first word that comes to mind. But we, we had some good draft picks over the years. We got to the playoffs against the Steelers and, uh, we had, a good, we had a good year in 2007. Was it as bleak as that? Or, yeah, do you want to give me a bit of a recap? Well, yeah, we did have some great first-rounders that we picked. Um, I didn't think our, our drafting was too strong after that. The disappointing loss of Pittsburgh in 2002, that really was a bummer. That was a game we really had them. I had blowout written all over it at the start. We had a chance to seal the game at the end there, and we didn't uh, come through. And obviously, 2007 – uh, the Derek Anderson year, uh, Rob Chudinski, I remember he came in from uh, Carolina. I think he got his uh, no- notoriety from – he was the offense coordinator for Carolina when uh, Cam Newton was first taken, and he might not have been the first coordinator to do it. But something I remember about him is he really tailored the offense around Cam and played it to his strengths and really had a lot of success there. And- oh, ec- excellent. Well, let's just start off with then um- – uh, let's educate some of our listeners. Why was it a blowout from uh, day one with the uh, Steelers in 2002? Well, when you watch the game, everything was really roll, rolling our way. Um, I think it, was, it wasn't until the last two minutes of the game that Pittsburgh had their first lead of the game. And everything was rolling our way. We got a couple picks. And when things really started to turn, I remember it was uh, Antoine Randall uh, ran back a, a punt, and that's when things kind of started to shift a little bit. And it definitely was a crazy game. And like I said, we had a chance to seal it there at the end. Uh, Kelly Holcomb put it right on the money. I remember to uh, believe it was Kevin Johnson on a deep out. And that would have sealed the game, gave us a game-winning uh, first down. And he just kind of took his eyes off the ball, looked up the field to run, and, and dropped it. So we were forced to punt it back to Pittsburgh, and the rest was history. Oh. And uh, what was the manager like, uh, Butch Davis in them days? 
Uh, Butch Davis, I, I, he, he was pretty well liked. Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement surrounding the Browns coming back in 99. I think everyone's uh, heads were kind of spinning there. But when you kind of look back at it, you know, from, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, but we just really didn't have the talent, plain and simple. We didn't have the roster. We didn't have the depth uh, to get it done. So not only Tim Couch, I think Butch Davis was really put in a uh, in a bad situation. Yeah, because before um, Butch, we had Chris Palmer. Uh, yep, he he was the uh, he was the uh, first coach uh, with the team returning in '99. I believe he lasted two years. Uh, also, a good name drop right there. I think Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator there for a couple years when we got started. Also, okay. And um, out of the two, uh, Palmer or Butch, which one was your favorite? I'll have to go with Butch. There, I was kind of I was kind of partial to the Hurricanes back when they when they went on their, uh, had their big dynasty down there in Florida. So I, I definitely have a healthy respect for Butch. Okay, great. And then uh, over the years, we kind of churned it through the managers quite quickly. Uh, oh, definitely. It, it was a uh, revolving door and that, and that kind of bled into the, uh, the, the, the decade that we're in now and consistency. Yes. It's just a big part of the NFL and, and, tearing everything down and starting over. And it's just, uh, it's not a uh, recipe for success. Definitely not. And you were telling me earlier in 2007, that was a good year for us. Oh, that, that was a great year. I actually see a lot of similarities with Chajinsky's offense, uh, as I do with uh, how Kitchens ran supposedly Todd Haley's scheme this year. It's a really aggressive scheme. You have a lot of uh, seam routes. There's not too much dinking and dunking going on. It's it's a lot. It's a vertical passing game. It's aggressive. It's down the field. Um, it's also balanced. They stick with the run. As a, as a, as a very exciting year. I mean, Braylon Edwards had his best year. Jamal Lewis almost ran for 1,400 yards. Uh, it was definitely definitely a fun offense to watch. Yeah. And uh, what were the worst years in uh, in that period? The worst years, well, there, there was definitely a few. I, I mean, I, I would lump everything. I would lump every season together besides that 2007. Really? Uh, okay. After that 2007, I mean, you're, we're expecting big things that next year falling in 2008, and we kind of come out and fell on our face there a little bit. I believe we went 4-12 and 12 that following year. But That's right, yeah. Uh, it was definitely a dreadful year. Yeah, we went 4-12. Um, and 12, um, Cornell... And then we were replaced by, uh, uh, yeah, Eric uh, Magini, if I said that correct. Uh, yeah, Eric Mangini uh, got him two seasons there. Yeah, and but we we were picking some great people up throughout the uh, throughout the period. Obviously, um, Joe Thomas, two thousand and seven, uh, third overall selection. Yeah, we, we definitely had some marquee uh, players we got in the first round early in the decade. I remember we took those two defensive linemen early, uh, Courtney Brown and Gerard Warren. And where do they end up? They end up in New England. Uh, so a uh, Browns defensive lineman going to New England, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> if we'd got a, a good uh, draft pick like we did have Danny Shelton, I'd be happy. Definitely, yeah. And... Um, Obviously, uh, 
a huge bit of talent was uh, Tim Couch. Yeah, t- Tim Couch kind of got a roll deal. Like I, like I said, I believe his his career was kind of ruined. He was put in a bad situation behind a bad offensive line. He took a lot of punishment. And I believe quarterbacks putting into that situation, you know, their their psyche is affected. They develop bad habits. And it, for the lack of a better phrase, I, I really think it ruined his career being put in that situation. I, I think he could have been a good quarterback in this league for a long time if he was putting in a better situation. Does it remind you a bit like Kaiser last year? No, I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was that bad. I, I think Couch. I think Couch definitely had a, a, a lot more uh, talent than Kaiser did. Um, but as far as the situation around him, I would even rank that below what Kaiser dealt with. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that Kaiser showed some flashes. You know, he, you know, he showed some arm talent at times, but his decision making. And he would just have those moments that just make you grit your teeth and you, you really don't understand it. You've seen one of those when he was in on the uh, primetime game, replacing yep. Rodgers with his injury. And he throws the uh, two-yard pick to uh, Khalil Mack. And that brought back some gruesome memories for Browns fans watching that, guaranteed. Yeah, I was just looking up Hail Mary, Hail Mary passes from Couch in 1999 against uh, the Saints. And then uh, a couple of years later, uh, against Jacksonville, um, he uh, last ditch in the game. It was caught by uh, Quincy Morgan. Do you remember that at all? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Uh, Quincy Morgan uh, was a uh, decent player for us. And uh, Tim Couch holds the uh, um, the only quarterback in NFL history to throw two game-winning passes of 50 yards or more with zero left on the clock. I did not know that. That's something he can hang his hat on right there, I guess, huh? Yeah, some interesting facts. And uh, what other uh, what other players uh, in this era that really stood out for you? Well, Joe Hayden definitely uh, comes comes to mind right away. He, he was definitely a fan favorite there. Um. Definitely a big Joe Hayden fan. I hated to really see him go. I, I do think his talent was starting to diminish a little bit. Uh, obviously, he's in Pittsburgh now. Uh, I go back to Cameron Wembley. I, I was a little bit excited about Cameron when he come out, and he really didn't ever hit a stride with us, but he actually went on to other teams and had some uh, had some short-term decent success elsewhere. Um, yeah, what about – um? The big name himself, uh, Josh Cribbs. Oh, yeah, Josh Cribbs. He, he was definitely one of the most electrifying, uh, funnest Browns players to watch. Uh, like I said uh, before, you, you would watch the primetime games when they put up the uh, posters of each team and they feature their marquee player, and it's almost always a quarterback or a running back. And the Browns would always have – their kick returner, Josh Cribbs, not taking away nothing from Josh there, but I think that speaks volumes about the situation that some of those teams are in when that's our marquee players, our kick returner. Mm. I never knew this until I started doing some research. Cribbs was an undrafted free agent. Undrafted free agent out of Kent State, yeah. Yeah. And like looking back at the last Super Bowl, um, I think it was something like, ridiculous like 25% of the players are undrafted free agents that's why I get so excited about 
undrafted free agents. You just never know who who it's going to be or how successful they're going to turn into. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's scouting in the NFL is just – it's almost an art form and you're really almost gambling. You're rolling the dice and there's so much unknown. There's so many variables and the only way to really tell is to throw them in the fire once you see them out on the field. That That's that's about the only sure way to tell. Mm. What about um, tight end uh, Kellen Winslow? Yeah, Kellen was a great player. Um, unfortunately, he made the great mistake of – uh, breaking one of the rules on his contract, probably down there at the bottom of the fine print where he had the motorcycle accident. But um, I, I believe at the time when Kellen was when Kellen was in his prime, he he had some of the best hands in the NFL, arguably the best hands in the NFL. Was a great player, catch everything thrown near him. Uh, it was a shame. I really think that accident kind of sidetracked his career there. Yeah, uh, another big name. Alex Mack? Alex Mack out of Cal. Yeah, I'm always excited when the Browns take an offensive lineman in the first round. I don't think offensive linemen are as vital and as important as they used to be, say, 10 years ago. I believe, you know, the game has changed. The short passing game, the ball's coming out quicker. Uh, that left tackle wasn't as important as it used to be. But, uh, again, I'm never going to complain when the Browns take an offensive lineman and uh, when we drafted him, he was everything that uh, he was everything that he was supposed to be. It's a shame that he he left town and went to Atlanta. Yeah, why did he go there? Why did we? Um... I, I heard some rumblings. You know, he wasn't happy. Obviously, the losing probably didn't help. Um, I believe his agent put out an official statement uh, that that just kind of pointed things that he just flat out wasn't happy. And I, I really think it came down to the guy who wanted to go win some football games and didn't think it was going to happen here. And that's a shame because I think things are just taking off. And down in Atlanta, things don't look uh, too hot right now either. So he, he kind of may have missed the boat on that one there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, last name, uh, a real key player for us during that era was uh, Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson, yeah, the guy was money. He he was a uh, great kicker. Um, actually, thought of Phil quite a few times uh, last season, and some of those <laughs> some of those missed kick moments. I missed him a little bit last year, but uh, he was a great kicker. He was consistent. Um, what made him even uh, greater was he was great in the clutch, and the guy could kick in bad weather, um, wind, snow. Uh, he, I remember he made that game-winning kick against Buffalo in what looked to be like a foot of snow in that game. And um, the, the guy was a great player, definitely. Yeah, I think he's going to retire this year. He's 44 years old now. Wow. I didn't know he, well, he's definitely had a great career. Maybe we can get him to come out of retirement for another year or so. Yeah. Would you like him back one more year? Until we until we get our uh, kicker situation kind of stabilized, I wouldn't mind if he, I wouldn't mind if he come back out for one season. No, not at all. All right, excellent. And tell us a little bit more, more about yourself. What were your memories from two thousand to two thousand nine? What were your highlight memories? Well, it was definitely uh, that of disappointment. You know, you got the Pittsburgh loss in two thousand two. And in 2007, I remember we didn't control our destiny and we needed the Colts 
to win for us to get in, and it was a meaningless game for the Colts. Peyton Manning was sitting. He wasn't even playing. And I remember rooting for the Colts. I believe they played on primetime that night. Um, but there was very, very few uh, highlights to point to, man, where, where I got any enjoyment out. That's that's why this last season with Baker and everything going on, I mean, my head's still spinning just because you live and die all them bad years every single snap. And now it's just like, you know, you can't believe this is real. And I'm definitely very excited for next season. Oh, excellent. And tell us, next season, what do you reckon, how many games are we going to win? Uh, we're going to go 11-5. and five. We're going to win the AFC North. Uh, Baker Mayfield is going to pass for over 4,400 yards. He's going to throw for 39 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Well, we've got on tape, mate. If it comes true, let me know. We'll get you a, a prize or a, a T-shirt or a something just to say well done because there's some big numbers there. Yeah, you, maybe uh, cook me some of them biscuits or something. Mate, that's not a prize. That's a forfeit. So, um, <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll think of something else then. I'm working on the biscuit mix as we talk, so uh, but the gravy's good, so uh, we're we're okay. And um, Jason, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Whereabouts are you based? I'm uh, just north of Cincinnati here, so I'm kind of in enemy territory a little bit. Uh, third generation Browns fan. My, my dad growing up, I believe he was the biggest Browns fan on the planet, and I kind of inherited that from him. And we're definitely anti-Bengals down here. What we do on Sundays is we uh, set our TV up to when the Browns go to commercial, we switch to the Bengals. And whoever the Bengals are playing, that's our second favorite team that day. So we love (laughs) the Bengals stumble, that's for sure. Awesome. Well, look, Jason, thanks a lot for coming on today. Um, I know this has been in the calendar now for a couple of weeks, so it's really great to uh, uh, finally speak. And as always, mate, you put so much input into tweets, this direct messages to me so thank you very much for everything that you've helped throughout the years of or years months of uh, the uh, podcast well definitely I, I very much enjoy the show and I appreciate you having me excellent well look let's finish up by saying go Browns and I look forward to seeing you in 2019 somewhere in Cleveland sounds good man can't wait to see you can't wait for the season have you got back. have you got your season ticket ready or no, I usually try to make it up for one year. That uh, I went to the Week 16 uh, Cincinnati game last year. The last game I went to before that was Manziel's first start in Cleveland, which that was a, a pretty terrible experience. So that kind of scared me a little bit, uh, gave me, a, I guess, stage fright of buying tickets. But I, I think Baker and the gang up there are kind of changing that. Yeah, we're hearing rumors that it's going to be sold out very, very quickly, season tickets. So... Uh... Great time to be a Brown fan. Definitely great time to be a Browns fan. All right, buddy, look, thanks a lot for your time. I look forward to meeting you for a beer in Cleveland. And uh, keep up the good work. All right, appreciate it. You too, Paul. Thank you. Appreciate it. You too, Paul. Thank you. Appreciate it. You too, Paul. Thank you.